Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And Amy thinks you're ugly. We're looking at Congo. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Yeah, I almost said Amy Jo Jackson... Not to be confused with Amy the Gorilla. <laughs> Amy the Talking Gorilla. <laughs> oh, oh boy, Amy Joe, how you doing today? Oh, I'm okay, Jeff. How art thou? I art good because we are kicking off our Dog Days Month with a real dog of a Ooh. film. Oh boy. Ooh. Oh boy. But you know what? I will say it's a very watchable film. I, I if it, it, it's only an hour, it's not even an hour fifty. You know, and I'm thank honestly. <laughs> you, thank thank goodness for that indeed um and, and listener i know we're starting our dog days month with five some might argue not great films some, some might will be better than others i know some have their their fan bases this one this week is not one of them that i know of i don't know anyone <laughs> that i know of that's like oh congo that movie rules um unless you're just looking for a really fun terrible watch in which case i think this is you could do a lot yes, worse absolutely um, but on our Patreon, we didn't want to do another terrible film. So instead, we're doing a rad summer movie. We are doing Jaws. So get up. Check out that ever Patreon. Ever heard of it? Yeah, ever heard of it? Check out that Patreon. Patreon.com slash and almost starring for a full length watch along Jaws Min Terry. So this movie actually is kind of like Jaws in that it doesn't show the capital M monster really in full till the very end. But I would say this is as though they had a special helper fish with them the entire time that was also animatronic in Jaws. It's like, what if Jaws had a do- friendly dolphin <laughs> if, helping if, them out? If they had that a was dolphin, animatronic. They, they could go, ah, 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 and then it would translate as like, Flipper thinks you're ugly. Oh, I'm going to have some uh, info for the listener about <gasps> having, you know, the whole like apes using sign language craze, oh, as sure. well as humans trying to teach dolphins to speak English. So Absolutely. I have, when that feels appropriate, <laughs> I have a lot to pepper in. Can't wait. See, I thought you were going to say that similar to Jaws, they kind of wait to show off your monster. That is what I meant. But also yeah. similar to Jaws, it's because your monster doesn't look great. Exactly. But I, but what I'm saying is this was like they were taking the received wisdom and going, we're not going to show the monster till the end because we right. don't have the best look. Well, but then but we then... also have this other <laughs> terrible yeah. costume that, well, yeah. you know what? That's fine to show the whole movie. I, I had a little more um, appreciation for Amy's puppetry and animatronics this watch i was like you know what this could be a lot worse it could be a lot worse it's just also like what are we doing here people is i felt like that most of the movie what are we doing here? i'm more once we finally get to the big the big gray gorilla cave at the end when i'm like we needed some more set deck on this cave to hide these gorillas because they are just in like full light where there's nothing to hide it's just them you're seeing here's a bunch of guys in suits r- jumping there's, around. I'm like, we, we gotta like, obscure this. Yeah, there's a couple of weird, unnecessary slow mo moments, and I'm like, we could have probably done oof, with that slow mo is rough. M- more like Dutch angles and just like weirder <laughs> stuff rather than 
let's just shoot them either in slow motion or in full light, like like straight on. Like we could have gotten a little more creative about how we're showing off these monster suits. Get me Kenneth Branagh. We need Dutch angles stat. <laughs> Uh, so Congo came out on June 9th, 1995, and was directed by Frank Marshall and written by Academy Award winner John Patrick Shanley. Honestly, when you know that information, it does make some of these lines make sense. Doesn't make them does well it? delivered? Yes. I wrote down several lines. What was the one of the first things that... Poor Bruce Campbell says, number one, this place does the shimmy. I was like, <laughs> what is this, 1947? Like, what? This place does the shimmy? I think Bruce Campbell thought the movie was set in 1947. He's playing Which it like an old-timey so, archaeological so did, so did Ernie Hudson, and that's great. But oh, no, a lot of oh, other people didn't. But like when he says, well, Eureka and all that, I found the bloody thing. <laughs> it's like... Are we in a Poirot? I don't. But I feel like Shanley is always writing at a heightened pitch, or particularly sure. like at this era. You know, he was still writing at a very heightened. He he has all of his characters speaking like stuff that they probably wouldn't normally speak because he doesn't write in a like pedestrian way. Oh man, if if this movie had Amy the Gorilla smack either Laura Linney or. Peter Elliott, Dylan Walsh across the face and just go snap out of it. Snap out of it. Four stars. Automatic four stars. I would have a little more. If Cher was the voice of Amy. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Now we're talking. (laughs) Um, But Amy Jo, what's your experience with that Congo? Had you seen it before? I think this was my third viewing. Third, something like that. I hadn't seen it. Till we were together. So thank you. Another blessing of a relationship. You're so welcome. Did we, I, I, I don't know what that, the second time would be then. Cause I think was the first time we, we had some friends over. We no, 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 we watched oh. it before that. Because we watched I, it just together? Uh, well, maybe we watched it with other people, but that watch party where we had other people over, I like ended up, uh, I went and took a nap during no. the end of it. Cause I remember like lying in bed and hearing a giant, Whoa! And it was because John Patrick Shanley's title you, card had come up in the credits. You, you tapped out of the party. Um, I did. I came back because I came of Congo. Back for you did come back. or whatever it was. We were no, no, no. This next. was this was a big dumb monster movie. Oh, we so watched we had Anaconda, Anaconda, Deep Blue and, yeah. Sea, um, and Deep Rising. Uh, I think was all post this. I think we kicked it off with Jaws 3D. Just bringing we it sure back to did. our Jaws mentary on Patreon. That's um, another very watchable, terrible film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had seen this as a kid. I think this, even though I wasn't fully aware of it at the time, I think this is the first movie that as a kid I kind of realized like, oh, movies can be bad. Wow. <laughs> Just because I never revisited it. You know, like this was, I think, a library rental. And a lot of the movies, the library wasn't getting a a huge like turnaround of new releases so it was like we're renting jurassic park again we're renting harry and the hendersons a fifth time um mm-hmm. and this was a one and done and i just would look at it and be like i don't need to see that again <laughs> <laughs> i've gotten all the congo movie that i need but it was fun to revisit because it is so freaking stupid stupid the um, number of times i wrote the word stupid in my notes is i think uh, cl- closing in on 10 <laughs> um well let, let's see uh if we can uh, get a few more of stupids in because spoilers ahead if you haven't seen congo you haven't seen it in a while here's a brief ish synopsis 
I mean, it's all just a higgledy piggledy stupid plot, but our, our main yes, players, yes. we have, uh, as we, we said, we opened with Bruce Campbell, these Travicom employees, this, uh, yeah, there's basically three main plots that all kind of, all these people get thrown together and then you find out everyone's motivations as it goes along kind of, or they find out each other's motivations, but it, that's why I think it feels so convoluted because we start with Travicom diamond hunters yeah our, our ostensible lead laura linney as uh what is her name karen ross which might be the whitest name yeah. i've ever heard yeah. uh that she works for this uh, a communications company and her ex-fiance bruce campbell has now gone missing presumably eaten by some monster monkeys i know they're not monkeys they're gorillas but alliteration people bear with me <laughs> um the the grumpy gorillas grumpy gray gorillas would you prefer that uh but she wants to go find him and her boss slash bruce campbell's father joe don baker as this ceo who oh, just wants wow. the diamonds there's so much to talk about here number one why is he her ex-fiance like, could we have no stakes here, you know, or, or why can we not find out that like we will know because we've seen movies that the father is an evil money hunter. But could we get the big monologue about needing another cash cow more toward the end so that we feel like right. he's invested in these stakes? Because yeah, when she the then says, if I thought for one moment that you weren't doing this for anything other than your son. I was like, he said nothing about his son. He has literally said, I need a new cash cow. I need this and that. He said nothing about, and so when she's like, what about Charlie? He's like, oh yeah, 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 Charlie too. She's like, well, if I thought, if this were a real out and out comedy. Who's Charlie? Exactly. If this were a real out and out broad, wet hot American summer style comedy, that would play really well. Because then she's like, it's that kind of naivete. Well, then I'll do that. But she's ostensibly an intelligent person jodan baker thinks he's in a comedy he when he, when they lose contact with bruce campbell he destroys a tv with a golf club oh. and then yells at laura linney put out my fire there's a fire extinguisher <laughs> it's just like so her motivations i kind of need her to be either more mercenary and being like yeah. i just got to go in there and get this and do this for the job the job or a lot less mercenary and more about doing it for char but more clearly rooted to charlie like her right. ex-fiance feels like a really f not flimsy like you know but it does feel kind of like well why are you going through all this danger and trouble for your ex-fiance unless do you also are you attached to this idea of lasers well if he was her current fiance then the end of the movie we need to give more time showing like oh no he is actually dead because it's such a like yeah blink and you'll miss it like anyway the movie's over in five minutes, we got to get out of this uh, volcano eruption. Oh yeah, there's dead Bruce Campbell. Let's get out of here. I just need, oh, even if they're they maybe they were never romantically involved, but they're like friends and like colleagues. Maybe it's I just need some more of a reason for her to be so gung ho on this, other than just the plot needs her to be. Which is why I think honestly, her being more on board with. Like she seems to be very mercenary and then suddenly yeah. isn't motivation wise. So it's just, it feels yeah. what flimsy. Yeah. Right. Although it's interesting thinking of just the other big Michael Crichton nineties movie, Jurassic park, when like arguably there's so much less in terms of Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler, like they're just there. It's like, they'll get funded and now they just had to survive and escape. But yeah, I'm so much more invested in them just in terms of like the visceral sense of survival than giving any kind of a care about 
Laurel and he trying to find Bruce Campbell. Since we already know, like, of course he's dead. Yes. And boy, do I not care about Dylan Walsh and whether or not he's going to be okay with giving up his oh, the love wow. of his life, Amy the Talking Gorilla. I well, when we get into that yeah well, yeah, let's, well, well let's get into yeah, it because laura linney right. she she winds up glomming on to uh peter elliott dylan walsh who's this primatologist um because she needs like pretty much the cover of being part of his expedition because he i'll let you now take over but he pretty much has quote unquote taught a, this gorilla amy to speak by using sign language that's then translated into a you know there's Siri a glove that interprets glove. the yeah and he wants to release Amy back into the wild. Like she wants to go home. So we're going to do an expedition to get her home. So uh, tell, tell us a bit about. Uh... Great. There's there's a great podcast that I've talked about a lot on this show called You're Wrong About. And they have an episode on Coco the Gorilla, which I went back and re-listened to yesterday because I was like, it feels like obviously this is a reference to Coco, you know, right, like. Right, right. I would really recommend uh, the listener, number one, check out the podcast. It's a wonderful podcast. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, but uh, this episode is fantastic and takes takes us through all the like human nonsense that was basically the crux of this whole like teaching gorillas sign language craze. So basically like, in the 70s, um, there was a gorilla named Washo that people had experimented with because people have been trying to teach chimps to talk for like talk mm -hmm. like phonate which is just i mean they can phonate but like speak english speak right. english um and this uh researcher basically came in coco was like born quite ill and so when she was like a year old she came in and like moved her to a separate facility and started working with her and like it just with washo it became quite clear like oh using their fingers is a lot easier for communication than their voice boxes because mm. it's just like not you know how that whole uh organism lines up so like you know i think most of us are familiar with coco and coco had a kitten and all of this and blah blah blah, blah. but like she was on the cover of rolling stone and i want to say like 1978 taking a picture of herself in the mirror so like oh, a mirror wow. selfie like she, she was big news on rolling stone did rolling? she play any instruments no i'm pretty sure it was rolling stone maybe it was maybe it wasn't maybe i mean you're saying like with time. the dexterity of the fingers i would be surprised if we could have a slight little bit of a keyboard solo from hey, coca hey you know i I'll, I'll bet they tried but um <laughs> basically like not so this book this michael Crichton book is written in 1980 which is like the mm. apex of this whole chimp crate not chimp gorilla craze um and it's also around this time that the field kind of implodes because there's another researcher who gets a gorilla and names him uh nim chimsky which is a real dig to noam chomsky you know <laughs> academia it was directly like <laughs> trying to <laughs> that'll show him that'll show him um but basically this guy also got access to a lot of unedited tapes of Coco because like a lot of stuff that you'll play of Coco has been edited has been selected so it's like oh she's forming complex words she's doing this and that and he he went in thinking like he's going to teach a gorilla to speak and then like between his own work with Nim Chimpsky and uh, looking at these Coco tapes is like 
actually, I think it's just people have, yes, taught gorillas signs, but they're kind of just throwing them out willy nilly. They're not like, it's not like Amy in the movie where she is like formulating thoughts. She's instigating conversations. She's saying like, I want, as opposed to just like making a bunch of signs and eventually it lining up with like getting food or something. And just like, it's just not the way that gorillas communicate like it's this very like human thing of um trying to of seeing other species as like how their proximity to humanness as as like how much moral uh dignity we give them in a way and so like they're there's also all this stuff in the episode that they were talking about about how like a lot of the researchers didn't actually speak sign language they knew some a bunch of ASL signs, but they they weren't actually putting it into proper syntax and all this kind of stuff that like so they weren't even teaching the apes actual sign language. They were teaching them certain signs and trying to get them to come out in like a sort of a spoken English syntax. So basically like Coco, because she was like quite famous, like people like made donations and she was able to like remain like well cared for uh, until she died in the mid 2000s I want to say or, or maybe not that long maybe like 2014 but um a lot of the other chimps were just like a ban- apes were just abandoned as soon as it was like oh, oh this isn't really a valid field of research or not that it isn't a valid field of research it's just everything they were doing was so wrong-headed in the way they were doing it so then having I watched about half the movie and then I listened to I re-listened to this episode and then watched this is just like this is just like the fantasy of what people thought they were doing was you know this this ape is like have having opinions about things and all that which not that coco didn't have opinions but not like this you know it's just really um foolhardy and then if if uh people are further interested there's a very recent episode of red-handed where they talk about these nasa NASA experiments to try to get dolphins to talk because they thought if they could talk with dolphins, it would aid communication with aliens. <laughs> that is, mm-hmm. and it it, uh, it 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 didn't go well. You know, also trying to teach them to speak through their blowholes as the like it's just kind of all this wrongheaded kind of thing. I feel like. This whole movie, not just the chimp, uh, I keep saying chimp, they're apes, not even the like the gorilla aspect of it is just this such an example of like, without intending to be an example of all the things that humans and I would say in this case, like, it's not really highlighting it well, but Westerners as well do when they're confronted with a culture that they don't understand, a uh, language that they don't understand, an animal that they don't understand, how they just try to bend it to their will to make it work for them. I brought air conditioning to put in the tents, you know? It's like, well, yeah, I'm sure that's great. Could <laughs> could you have done something else with your time and money? And then, like, thinking just to skip totally to the end of the movie, but when she, like, makes she's like could you throw this giant diamond away rather than being like i don't know maybe i should like give it to someone who could use it in this like war-torn region that i have just kind of also played a part in helping to decimate you know and like a lot of people died because i came in here with all this money and made this thing happen like i could have given this away rather than like i'll chuck it out because morally i'm not a part of this yeah i only gave a cursory peruse of the synopsis of the book which the main difference that i could see just from reading the synopsis was that there are other teams as well that are trying to get these diamonds so they're also it's kind mm. of like a, a a race for time um that makes to, a lot more sense opposed to just the race for get there before the volcano explodes but i 
think it said at the end that the Monroe Kelly character, who I think is Charles Monroe in the book, that he does keep some of the diamonds at the end. And he it, I forget, it might be like to help the country. I, I, I can't remember now because once again, cursory peruse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think in the book they are like, oh, we can at least keep some of these diamonds and use them for some kind of good. Well, that would also tie it more nicely to the minute they land in Africa, they land in the middle of this military coup. You know, and and there's all sorts of strife within the region, which is one of the first realistic seeming things that happens in this film, you know, and it's just like, yeah, that would make sense that that would be something that even someone who is, you know, on his own right. steam. like Well, Kelly- this is, uh, as we've said, a dog days stupid movie. Uh, so I don't think it's too concerned about any of that. Uh, and no, I will just clearly. say, I mean, it is credited. It is a science fiction film. So I'm not as bothered by everything with Amy because it's like no more than I am with Deep Blue Sea trying to make shark brains smart because they can't get cancer, which newsflash, <laughs> they can get cancer. Um, and, and like anything like that, you know, like I'm, I don't think the movie is trying to be realistic. No, I don't think uh, it I, is. I absolutely get very, what you're saying, but. It's very interesting. To, no, no, no. I, I'm not even, I'm not trying to say this movie should have like done more due diligence with like how apes really do or do not learn sign language. Like I, I, I don't care about that more I was then very interested in like what's the actuality of this and then uh, how could the script have been better and this also very uh you know we look at things in a different way now where it's like well if you're doing a movie about a bunch of westerners coming to Africa like you do kind of need to think about like more than just well we have one black male lead so that is enough to like we don't need to like examine like all the other stuff that like I think in a contemporary film you might well you might sure. want to look at you know of course of course yes yeah, speaking of so we have of our main group of characters we have uh the great Ernie Hudson uh, as oh, he said his the, his favorite it. role that he's played in his career and it's like such a great role such a great showcase for him he's when so I'm fun. watching him I feel like the movie is good and then yeah almost anything else happens I'm like Oh, no, it's just Ernie Hudson is so good at this. Yeah, this wilderness guide, Monroe Kelly, who's there to help, like, lead the expedition. And we have, who's originally funding uh, Peter, Elliot, oh, and Amy is Tim Curry as, what is it, Herkimer Hamulka, this Romanian philanthropist who just wants to get to this, who's this, like, lost city of Zinj to find these diamonds. This performance, oh, man. I have to say, I love it. <laughs> it's unhinged and i i love it him His and joe don like, baker are in the the a comedy they are in yes. a flat out comedy and the yes. rest of the movie should honestly lean more into it i agree if we had him i mean because ernie hudson wouldn't have to change a thing i feel like he's got this kind of like wisecracking very like sophisticated kind of thing that like really works and then you right. have more kooky people around that and suddenly we have a movie that makes more sense without I mean, changing no, anything. N- nobody likes Hamulka in this movie. Everyone hate. We get Delroy Lindo yelling at him to stop eating my sesame cake, which is one of the big quotes from the movie. Um, but I do. I love the exchange between Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry where Tim, you know, uh, Tim Curry is like, please call me Herkimer. And Ernie Hudson's like, great. You can call me Mr. Kelly. <laughs> and it's such a like, I am not giving you any respect, my guy. But yeah, that's our main group here of these just, I just, Tim, you could easily remove Tim Curry from this movie. It does not change anything except that he's heard of this lost city. But so is Ernie Hudson, you know? 
Yeah. But you would then lose Tim Curry just having a ball. Tim Curry's having a ball with this Romanian accent. It's great. You know who else you could lose from this movie? The character whose name I don't even know, who's the like assistant primatologist. Yeah, that's just to give you another uh, number for the body count. I get it. I just wish like they clearly have him there also to be like this scaredy cat. But I feel like Peter is enough of a like kind of scaredy cat. It's like, well, then it's kind of too much of that energy. And he's doing I think the actor is is doing a fine job. That's not the actor. It's it's just like, what? Why do we? No, no, it's true. He actually has one of my favorite lines. It's like, what? I wrote it down. Safari. I don't even like picnics. That's that's you know what? I get it, my guy. I agree. It is kind of like yeah, they are. He is just like Peter, but more so. It's really the the Niles Crane effect where you've got Frazier. So you're like, well, let's make Niles even more pompous. So Frazier looks a bit more reasonable in comparison. Uh, There you go, Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce as uh, as Peter and the assistant. Uh, (laughs) I also really liked like along those lines, Peter calling what's her name karen <laughs> i'm like peter and laura linney peter being like oh i get it so you're a geek with a cell phone and i was like all right look who i i know geek meant something a little more tech focused in the 90s but don't be casting aspersions bro your best friend's a monkey and you have like best this- friend best friend with benefits is a monkey oh. and also it's like she's using this like mechanical arm thing like that's that's geeky tech too my guy like you you have no room to talk <laughs> yeah meanwhile laura Lady, this whole plane sequence i thought was pretty great i had a i had some fun when they are like all flying and then have to just like jump out of the plane we get yeah. amy of course drinking her martini her uh little water drop well, that's a drink. different plane is that not the one where they then have to jump out of no that's the private plane on the way over oh okay and My then mistake. they transfer we meet joey pants who also i think is doing a great job oh, he's in having this movie. a great time yeah he's he in and great. out he and he and Ernie Hudson together. I was like, now this is a movie. I um, want to just see the spinoff. Just have Ernie Hudson and Joey Pants going on adventures. Yes, I would watch that movie for sure. Um, unlike this movie, which I might never see again. Um, <laughs> but no, then then they all, they have to transfer airports, remember? And then right, they, that's, right, they right, have right. to jump okay. because the border yeah. is is closed. And so they're yeah, in so Zaire's they, airspace they, or something. They drug Amy with this uh, banana so they can all mm-hmm. parachute out because they're getting like missiles shot at them so lord linney is just like oh i got this and just like opens the door and shoots at the missile with a flare gun because it's a heat-seeking missile to help make it blow up and it's just her and ernie hudson as like action heroes it was giving me charlie's and tom hardy and mad max vibes of when they finally start working together and i was really into it but i will say i feel like the day of that shoot that ernie hudson had to film him jumping out of a plane while strapped to a big fake gorilla. That's the day that he really earned that paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, I had some questions about that. He's like, I'll jump with Amy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're going to hold on to a probably 200 pound gorilla. And where are you going to pull your parachute from? And then they show her like, holding on to him when in theory she's drugged i know she quote unquote wakes up but what's the plan there i think they strapped the two of them together like you would on your first uh skydiving adventure where you would still be strapped to the actual person that's in charge of pulling the parachute around her they could have probably picked a more contrasting color parachute to be fair they don't show it off in the movie but ernie hudson today is jacked 
if you look up pictures of him today, he has g g g guns. So I would not be surprised if Ernie Hudson could actually just carry a two hundred pound gorilla if that was sure. part of his workout. That they just didn't. That's just, I'm just always lifting gorillas, son. <laughs> Um, oh, you do CrossFit? That's cute. I'm on the gorilla workout <laughs> where you have to just carry a gorilla around whilst you do your workout, doing some lunges whilst holding a gorilla. That's some right. chest presses while holding a gorilla. You're, you're pressing a gorilla. That is one way to get your reps in for sure. <laughs> and then we take like, we don't get to like the final lost city until like the last half hour of the movie. But oh, we do get these whole middle chunk of so long. Yeah. I do appreciate within this middle chunk, we do get, we, we finally a movie showing us hippos as the murderous monsters they, they are yeah. and not cute little happy creatures. Uh, I like that we have a little action scene. Yeah, I with, mean, and I, hippos are nocturnal. So trying to go at night through hippo infested waters as many 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 bodies of water in africa are seems a fool's errand well it would Um, until you consider how bad their hippo animatronics are and how they have to hide they're really just on the disney jungle cruise it's literally just them going down jungle cruise with the same little hippo going i'm just pointing out yet another um plot hole in here i guess maybe they're trying to avoid being seen by someone else but instead they're like yeah let's get on a river in an inflatable raft where we know there are river monsters waiting for us you're gonna break an ankle trying to get through the field of all these plot holes that for this movie (laughs) like you 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 it's a fool's errand trying to point out the plot holes you just gotta tread softly uh we finally get to this lost city where as the volcano is like immediately about to erupt we meet all we these Stupid gray gorillas that are like their faces are like rotting off. Oh boy. Uh oh, it's so silly. But I will say, I mean, Laura Linney putting this diamond into this gun that's supposed to be for communications, but can also just be a weapon. Uh, and just this like like Ernie Hudson's like, what about them? And she goes, put them on the endangered species list and starts lighting these gorillas up. Yeah. And it rules i will say it was about the point where they'd like it's nighttime and they've set up that whole like the whole entrapment sequence basically with the laser field you know <laughs> oh yeah you get this one gray gorilla like really sexily like sliding under S- the laser with its big them. big hairy butt in the air oh Honestly, sure who would be surprised at this point but um she said she has some line right before that where she's like if anyone tries to blah, 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 it's going to light up like the 4th of July. And it's, it was at that moment that I was like, mm, I really do think Laura Lenny was miscast. <laughs> She's doing a great job. She's but these doing are not words can. that should be coming out of no. Laura Lenny's mouth. No. It's going to light up like the 4th of July. What? Like, no. I can't really think off the top of my head of any other blockbustery type films like this that Laura Lenny has done. I think that she kind of saw the writing on the wall, unless I'm mistaken. Like even... Mar like Marvel like even like the big IPs like Marvel and Star Wars and all that jazz like I don't think she's ever because like any big big blockbuster stuff she was doing was not summer blockbuster stuff it was like um Truman Show fear, you know well no I'm think I'm thinking like yeah like a primal fear like a courtroom kind of that oh, sure. sort of thing you know which feels right, much right. more I buy her as a lawyer oh sure. You know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the movie ends with they mean they get out, they 
they're alive. They Lord Lenny, Lord Lenny blows are. up this right. Lord Lenny blows up this. Yeah, Tim Curry gets his head smushed by a gorilla. Um, Lord Lenny uses this laser gun to somehow destroy the satellite because she's she's as she said, you know, I'm gonna make you regret it, Jodan Baker, if you send me here for a diamond and not for your son. He well, can't also, even pretend for a moment to care about his dead second, son. She's like Charlie's daddy. Did you get that? Yeah. Which, like, if he hadn't had a monologue preceding the, her journey, that would have been a real moment of, like, oh, he didn't even care about his son at all. Like, that would have been better writing. Right. J.P. Shands, take a note from me, an uh, unproduced playwright. Um, but just then when um, she, yeah, it's, it, I just, when she's, he's like, did you get that? And she's like, yeah, yes, I got it. He goes, good girl and i was like yeah i'd probably blow up his his uh thing just because he said good girl to me oh. after i <laughs> nearly got killed by a thousand gorillas yeah she just like locks and loads this gun and don't tell me to smile blows up the satellite <laughs> honestly more of a 90s move you know what i mean like more of a more of a blockbuster pithy kind of toss-off phrase you know i'm down i am down um yeah uh peter amy amy also meets these good gorillas who they turn- oh wait this is one of my favorite <laughs> moments number one she picks him a flower uh, which that's another point i think i wrote down oh not a flower so stupid something like that another one of my so stupids I wrote she plucks this flower and gives it to him and then is signing like good gorilla he's like good gorillas what do you mean and she then gestures with this grand sweeping like over there but then what comes into focus are in fact terrible gorillas if you're thinking from an effects standpoint <laughs> so it's just this like beautiful yeah, this... gesture to <laughs> just abysmal shot also the yeah this silver back and he's like oh wow uh ha- handsome fella and it's so awkward he's like he can't even pretend to be happy for this gorilla he is also, so jealous didn't, didn't he bring her to another continent to release her well he did talk about and then amy will teach them sign language so maybe he kind of thought that they would it'd be a slower process she she'd teach and then they'd go back maybe she'd be like he he was hoping they'd get there and then she would sign like peter you are my home and they could go back together (laughs) that's true (laughs) it's just everything about it also just another minor plot question how mm-hmm. did Laura Linney mm-hmm. hear about this random researcher taking a girl at the exact time she needed to go? Um, well, it's probably like flight manifests. Like if she they probably have some way of finding out like who's booking these private planes. And I don't know. They, they're I like suppose. a big conglomerate. I feel like they have their ways of kind of shadily figuring out like who can we glom onto. I think you're right, though. If we get rid of Hamulka. And she has to track someone down and she finds this guy as a good cover. That's stronger. Yeah, exactly. Just have her company be the one that's funding him and Amy going back to the Congo. That that just makes it cleaner. You don't need Tim Curry, except that we would lose Tim Curry's bananas performance. I want the Tim Curry. I want the diamonds. (laughs) When she, like, when when Delroy Lindo's like, more. And so she like gives more money to Ernie Hudson and puts it on the table and Tim Curry right before stop eating my sesame seed cake or my seed cake yeah the look that Tim Curry gives this stack of money and then like oh. Oh, chomps down on the cake is 
beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's so stupid. Uh, and yeah, the film ends. They, they're on this hot air balloon, and they're like, I hope it goes somewhere good. End of movie. Yeah. A wind is blowing. A wind. I hope it blows us somewhere good. Me too. <laughs> Great. Written by, written by John Patrick Shanley. <laughs> with the, the name lands with a thud in this instance. <laughs> the casting directors of Congo were Alison Cowett and Mike Fenton. Together, they've cast such films as Lost in Space, Dante's Peak, and Muppets from Space. And Fenton has also cast previous episodes, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Toy Story, Back to the Future, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, we all have a few clunkers in our career, you know? We all got to eat. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. And I can't wait. (laughs) Well, let's kick it off with Karen Ross. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Laura Linney and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Well, I've talked about it a little bit. I think she is doing her best. She's not like the worst casting choice by any means, partially because she's such a good actor that she is like not condescending to this material. She's really trying to make it work. But yeah. um, I just it, it, I know she's like ex-CIA, but she's also like a, a tech nerd, which is, is also like a thing that people do in the CIA. So it's like a really weird thing where you want someone who you believe as like a a tech savvy person in the Mm nineties when this was much less common, but someone who also is like, yeah, I'm an adventurer and is like totally unfazed by like all, I mean, it makes me think that the tech corporation is really just like a a front for like (laughs) weapons manufacturing or something like that, which would make a lot of her kind of adventuring behavior make more sense. So basically like, I feel like there are a few different ways you can go with this sort of thing you know we can go more into the comedy of it or you can go more into who would be a like legit a better fit for someone that i'm like oh i think i buy that she's ex-cia in this way and in that you know yeah and um so like sigourney came to mind as someone who i'm like yeah, I buy her a bit as a bit more rough and tumble than Laura Linney. Yeah, I love the idea of Sigourney in a post Gorillas in the Mist I career <laughs> now being like, what do you mean this gorilla's call me ugly? Do you know who I played yeah. gorilla? It's actually very uh, her in Galaxy Quest. Being like, <laughs> so it should be Sigourney say- Weaver as Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> the- Yes. Using clearly, her skills that's... as an actor working on Gorillas in the Mist to be like, that'll oh, translate no. to the to like a real world scenario. Oh, I hate it. You know, it's not much better than what these people tried. I then also thought if this were made like today, just when I was thinking, who do I believe both sitting in front of a computer and with like a, a bunch of guns and being like, I didn't ask you if you liked guns. I told you to take it like that kind of thing. I was like, yeah. I would see Tessa Thompson rocking oh, this out. Oh, yeah. Um, I also just thinking of her and get out, Allison Williams came to mind. It's just oh, this kind of like yeah. really like intense almost because I think that's one of the things about this character is you're kind of like she is supposed to be off putting. I think we're like that. Yeah, I don't or warm her up with more of a relationship to Charlie. But regardless, right. like I kind of buy her as like, you know, in a way that I think is is a benefit if it's a little like, I don't know. And I feel like oh, we've seen that in get out. I think think she could do it again um yeah. if we're going in a more comedic vein 
a little a little goofier, more slapstick. Uh, the, I think the logical choice for a movie of this size is like a Sandra Bullock in the nineties. Oh, like, yeah. Going yeah. goofier. I mean, we, it's like Miss Congeniality meets like what you know. Also, like there's something then to being like she has the money for all of this equipment, but maybe she like it's just like I'm not comfortable around guns either. But we'll right. make it work, you know. Like I feel like she'd be giving that energetically. This is the one I have the most uh, options for. Um, uh, also more like a Janine Garofalo, I think would be in a, in a real capital C comedy. Yeah. I would, I would find that very entertaining in a more contemporary comedy. Um, Catherine Hahn, I think is giving me truly everything that I need. God, do I want that? Absolutely. That's someone you do not want to mess with. Yeah. In her in Parks and Rec of just being this like yes. big ball busting, like, you know, I, I want her opposite Adam Scott as Peter Elliott. That's like the He's energy that He's I want. He's on my list. Yeah, of course, of course, for sure. Um, I then also have Kate McKinnon. Um, sure, because I think you do get a, a lot with for free with her with her like intense like chaos energy. Um, and then this is perhaps just like a bit out of uh, this this is another like comedian capital c but i was like oh someone else who like this is this is like the very if we were made today but like as a as a capital c comedy i'm like i'd be interested in aquafina out there <laughs> <laughs> like out there trying to like get diamonds and shoot gorillas and being very very angry at this monkey like sure. i can really <laughs> see that working for me what do you mean this gorilla's call me ugly what i do to this gorilla yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Amy, look in a mirror. <laughs> is that gorilla eating that drink? Oh my <laughs> is that, gosh, is that, that gorilla drinking a martini? Is that gorilla smoking a cigar? Oh, it's it's so silly. Her trying to outdo the gorilla, like cutting back, and she's oh, drinking a martini too. Now we're talking. They get into like a <laughs> drinking contest. Like honestly, yeah, oh, go that yes. much further. Yes. Just do a reenactment of Raiders of the Lost Ark drinking scene. Yes. Apparently Coco was often fed human food. Like her her like researcher Penny said like she loves pizza. And like a lot of people were like, pizza is very bad for a girl. Just because they can't eat it doesn't mean they should. And like I can't remember which of the other gorillas it was. I think it was uh, Nimchimsky was allowed alcohol and marijuana. Um, wow. Like, well. Which is just truly terrible, but um, probably it's also only to unwind. <laughs> I just need it to relax. <laughs> it's been a long week. I need to chillax, man. Um, Nim yeah. deserves his green dop drink. <laughs> you you mentioning uh, entrapment before made me think. I could see Catherine Zeta Jones in this role. Mm-hmm. I would be really into. Um, yeah, we're just thinking like badasses like Sigourney, uh, Linda Hamilton, I think what I would also sure. buy very much. Um, yeah, Laura Linney, it's just, it's just not the best fit for me. Um, yeah. though she certainly is She's not trying. embarrassing herself. No. What is also weird to me is that it feels like the movie doesn't know if it wants her and, uh, and Peter Elliott to have chemistry together. Like yeah. if, as if Correct. they're a potential something like, which they only really get like the most awkward interactions. You get all the, the, the scene with all the monkeys, the baboons I, in heat. I 
hate with, this exchange. With er- but I do like Ernie so Hudson much. saying, uh, like, when on a full moon, every monkey in 300 miles thinks he's Elvis Presley. Um, is delightful. But then he, Peter just looks at Laura Linney and goes, wah, wah, and makes monkey noises. And I'm like, guy, have you ever been around a human woman before? It's so, it's so bad. It's like, I think I wrote down, it's like he's five years old. He's also wearing his sleeping bag. You know, they're both like, oh, so welcome to the middle of the night in my middle of my bedtime. But they're scary monkeys. He might as well oh, be wearing ooh, ah, ah. like footy pajamas. This, this yes, loser. his curly hair, he looks like a baby. He looks like he's playing Michael in a community theater production of Peter Pan. <laughs> yes. He should have his. Yes, that, that, that's The little, uh, the lovey for Amy. Like, I'm pretty sure that used to be Peter's and that Amy oh. was like, my lovey. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess you can play with her too. Right. <laughs> oh, man. This guy, I know we'll talk about him, but this guy's like still works and is good now, right? Like he did good things in acting. He does a or lot. Or is he of, always bad? He does a lot of TV. I've seen him be well, they're a very perfectly good TV fine in things. My point being that like if you go to his IMDb when it kind of lists the four projects you're most known for, Congo is number right. one. Um, so this was like movie-wise, it's like this. And uh, a remake of the horror film The Stepfather. And then a lot of TV. I mean, no, I will talk about him. I know him mainly from the show Nip Tuck that ran forever. Right. Um, but, uh, and I know Let's him. Let's just say he's not doing himself any, fa- well, it's no, also the writing no. in this, but just yeah. like, it's, it's the way he's selling it too. It's right. not flirtatious. It's like, I'm a little boy. She right. ain't just girl likes when I pull her ponytail. Yeah, get, and I find it revolting. We get that moment. And then we get where he's a leech on his penis. And Laura Linney's like, hey, you need help oh, with I, that? blocked that from me memory but they don't really have like and maybe that's just because what we're used to with most films is that they should have like some kind of flirty dynamic but it really feels like nope we're just an ensemble of characters and honestly she's got more chemistry with ernie hudson i'm like i wouldn't this could i'd be down with it it, kind of dovetailing into a romance between those two characters instead because they're both badasses you know, them, them also, honestly shooting the flares out of the plane. I was like, okay, so movie, great. give me the two of them getting okay, together. movie. Here's the thing, too. A lot of researchers in this field were women. So it's like the fact that we have two men as these, like, researcher characters, the the primatologists. It's like, it would, why not have another woman in this very male movie? I mean, I know why mm-hmm. it was the 90s, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, I do also think that's probably just what Michael Crichton wrote. Um, but, right, right. You know, it's like, well, that that might have also then you don't like if you're not going to get into any homoeroticism, which, again, it was the 90s. So they were not. Then you kind of avoid this like, will they, won't they? Which are also like, nah, 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 not with the monkey guy, not with the not with the ape. dude, <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. I like uh, but I could I could see I would love uh, a Joan Allen as Karen. Oh, I'd be sure. really into um, a Jamie Lee Curtis. I think would be yes. great. Our girl oh, Gina Davis, choice. of course, I of I course. think would help really sell the like, it's my ex-fiance and she'd make me care enough about that. Like I'd buy it, but then I'd buy it when she immediately gets over it. Yes, that's true. Uh, and made more recently, uh, this is, I'd love a Charlize. I, I would yeah, love. Yeah, I, I thought Charlize, yeah. I think a Tatiana Mislani would be great. Uh, and just oh, yeah. Jessica Chastain, I think, really is like would nail mm. the like I'm the severe like company man, but I've also am like invested because my a person that I care about 
consciousness that some part of me still cares about might be dead. I feel like Jessica Chastain and Laura Linney are very oddly similar in a lot of ways, just insofar as like they both they both carry themselves with a lot of like class, meaning like I buy them as like, you know, and I don't I don't know anything about I know Laura Linney was like born in New York. Her father is a playwright, but like they 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 just both seem like yes i went to a boarding school type vibe you know what i mean mm. like that it's just very interesting to then see where the like vulnerability shakes out with either of them and i feel like jessica chastain is a bit more porous in that way laura linney i think a, a lot of times really excellently plays like she has a thicker shell like a, a oh, big 100 percent. that's my favorite laura linney is when she like her and truman show and she is someone that is like yeah tightly wound you know that thick skinned you know there is like a lot underneath but the wall is in service of actually helping us see that better and totally. when there's it's just not like calibrated right in this it needs to be thinner right I what, think, what it, in order for us to buy this whole charlie yeah thing. what it actually reminded me more of more than jessica chastain is someone that she's often not mistaken for but does kind of get the like these celebrities look alike is bryce dallas howard because i can't help thinking of Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt in these newer Jurassic World movies because the the mm. the main two quote unquote leads are kind of similar and that you have the guy who's the animal works with the animals in his case raptors the trainers right. and that you've got the the woman who's like from the company who's like representative of the company but in Congo it's as if Bryce Dallas Howard was both the company man and the badass and if Chris Pratt only was interested in having sex with the raptors yeah. <laughs> As for who else was actually up for the role, one other actor who turned it down, Robin Wright. And good for her. Good for I her. I see that. I see also why they went to Laura Linney then if they were first looking at Robin Wright. That's you know how sometimes we look at these casting lists and they're like, they were just going out to everybody. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you're like, they had an idea of what they wanted and it was in this vein. And I feel like Robin Wright is in a, yeah. a similar pocket. And I I really dig that. I do think that there is totally. I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's also because it's not the best script in terms of how they sketch out these characters. And then it's like you've gotten just like four very different characters, but didn't really think about what's the interesting way that these four characters between the two of them, Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry, are interacting, yeah. um, you know, but let's move on to uh, to Peter Elliott. So what are your thoughts on Dylan Walsh and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? My thoughts are no, thank you. <laughs> um, the curls are great, but by the end of this movie, annoying, you know, like <laughs> I just found myself so irritated with him and that, yes, so much of that is the writing, but he is not helping with his acting. I got so distracted by the fact that he looks to me as if you just blended up Albert Brooks, Jeff Bridges, and Steve Gutenberg, and then was like, and here's what their kid oh. would look like. <laughs> if you made Three Men and a it, Baby with Albert Brooks, <laughs> Jeff yes. Bridges, and Steve Gutenberg, and then Dylan Walsh is their baby. And then he's like the cartoon, like on a pup named Scooby-Doo, where it's the cartoon version of an adult. He looks yeah. like the cartoon version of an adult. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a burn. You look like the look, cartoon version of an adult. I want to. I want to. done fine. I want to fire that one off in real this. life to someone. Hey, my guy, you look like a cartoon version of an adult. <laughs> And 
given our culture's fetishization of youth, I can't speak today, fetishization of youth, many people will be complimented by that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't think it's good. What I'm saying is this bad. Uh, this central performance. <laughs> Amy not thinks for me. you're bad. Amy thinks Amy, you're ugly. <laughs> Amy thinks you're bad at acting. Um, <laughs> if uh, mo- most of my options are for it being more of a a comedy, like a, an intentional comedy. So yes, Adam Scott is on my list because yeah. I was like, I want something, someone who I buy as a nerd, but also like that I'll like. Which right. I think is what they were yeah. trying to do with this guy. And it did not work, partially because of this gorilla. But, you know, I, also partially because of him. Top of my list, though, is Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's someone who can play, like, I believe him, like, being pals yeah. with a primate. And also, like, you know, like, I'm befuddled by this and yet, like, making it out alive. I buy him really caring for this gorilla, but without me ever wondering, does he want to sleep with this gorilla? Yes, correct. Um, uh, Bill Hader, I think, would actually be very interesting. His yeah, The streak yeah. of anger that runs through Bill Hader, I think, honestly, like, would be <laughs> more interesting than if we see him really soft with the gorilla and yeah. sharper with the other humans in a way that makes us understand what's like, oh, yeah, no wonder you're best friends with a gorilla because people don't like you. But in a way that then he could have an arc and soften over time. I just feel Love like it. that. Would, then we have a then we have a movie. He's He's not totally right for this. And yet. I just thinking of like old school adventuring style movies. I kept thinking of the mummy. So I was like, Brendan Fraser would be fun. I oh, also sure. believe Brendan Fraser, like being, being the kind of guy that'd be like, I'm just a hunky researcher hanging out, oh, hanging yeah. out with my gorilla. Yeah. And like, Oh, I, I, I didn't know I was attractive. Uh, oops. You know, <laughs> you, you, you'd give him glasses and it would complete the illusion. There we go. That's it. The, the illusion. But Rachel Weiss is Karen. I like that. Yep. 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 And then this is a little bonkers. But I was like, ah, I wouldn't be mad about Alan Tudyk either. I also <laughs> have Alan Tudyk really on my list. Do he'd be really? great. Yes. He'd be I so love good. when we pick someone who is like not like, like we talk about Alan Tudyk a lot, but I, I we don't recommend him all the time. Right. But I just, I love when we both Oh, but we're pick always talking like, Tudyk. We're always talking Tudyk, baby. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, really just not him. Yeah. Dylan, Dylan Walsh. Dylan Walsh. Yeah. Dylan yeah. Walsh. You see the care I've taken to know right. this actor's name. Yeah. Sorry, I wa- my guy. I'm I watched, sure you're fine and nip tuck. I watched. Oh, he's fine. I watched three seasons of it. And then I was like, why am I watching this show that I don't even like? Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. He just I just don't care for it. I don't care for it. I think you just need someone who's more of a star. Like you need someone that either or, or just you need like a, we- a more of a weirdo for yes. this. I think would be help- helpful. Um. And not that he's a weirdo, but the first person who came to mind, because I, what I do like is that this male lead is not a badass at all. Correct. And I'm like, give me, what about like Michael J. Fox? I thought of Michael J. Fox too. He just didn't make it to my final list. He didn't make it to the final cut. I get it. But I'm like, that's, and, and honestly, I was, I wasn't actually kidding that much before. Like, give me David Hyde Pierce. Make this like the full blown mm. nerd with the full, get, yeah. dress him like Wet Hot American Summer with the little short shorts uh, and just have like. Karen be that much more of a badass, him be this nerd, and then you have Karen and Monroe Kelly have a bit of a flirtation. Or, you know, you don't need any kind of flirtation. No. In your, It's just so – I'm so used to it 
with a blockbuster, you know? It's like, well, where's the romance subplot? It's the something for the ladies, as well, studio execs like, would say. Yeah, honestly, if they acknowledged it and she was like, I'm not interested in that, like genuinely, then at least you're acknowledging the fact that there's some expectation that they don't fulfill intentional. Again, it right. comes down to intentionality as opposed to like, we couldn't decide, so we had several versions so we could recut it depending on what test audiences responded to, is what it feels like. Totally. Uh, I could see a Carrie Elvis in this role. Oh, yeah. I'd be really into. I'd like a Bill Paxton. I think oh, would be a lot yes. of fun. Yeah. Uh, he would do Mighty Joe Young, so he would work with a different gorilla. Oh, right. <laughs> um, the Mighty Joe Young remake, that is. Um, and I'm like, to me, I want a weirdo. And you know who I would buy as this guy is James Spader. Oh, yeah. That's a weirdo. That's a particular flavor of weirdo. That's also like his, again, it's kind of like my a, a more intense version of my Bill Hader thing where it's like yeah. someone who you're just like, ugh, I don't know about you guy. Oh, but I'll warm to you over time, you know? Right, right. I also, wait, along your weirdo thought, like a thought that I had but I didn't write down because it just didn't feel exactly what I meant by it, but I was I was thinking of like Paul Dano, that kind of like just someone yeah. who's just a little off center and you're like it just just so either we're really going to like they are not love interest kind of thing right. or well, they're so unexpected, yeah. you know, as opposed to this where Ooh. it's like he's got curly hair and is attractive. What do we think <laughs> is going to happen Ooh, today? If you're making this movie, give me Dev Patel. Oh, well, and everything. Yeah, I mean, that would be true. really fun Very true. because he is very charming and. I yes yeah yes yeah um like made more recently another person who's a bit of a, who's a weirdo just because of Dexter I'm like I could see the Michael C Hall version oh, of this yes. um mm -hmm. at the time talking about Coco an actor who Coco loved I could see the Robin Williams version I of say this because I just listened to my <laughs> right but if this was like an actual like bigger bigger movie and if, if this is like directed by like james cameron or spielberg mm -hmm. i could see them getting robin williams for that type of role um mm -hmm. and he is more of the lead but he still doesn't necessarily need to be an action hero which i kind of enjoy totally um yeah. and of course made today we love him we recommend him for everything give me william jackson harper yep i was like i won't say it because i'm sure jeff will <laughs> Um, so the the name, his name, Peter Elliott, uh, he shares with the real Peter Elliott, who is a gorilla choreographer and ape performer in many movies, including this one. He is one of the ape performers, not for Amy, who is played by two women, but I'm assuming for some of our gray gorillas or maybe for that handsome fellow, that silverback silver at the end, the hacha-cha. But that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Peter Elliott and one was not. And Amy Jo is to guess, which is which? Your options are Bruce Campbell, David uh, Duchovny, uh, and Hugh Grant. When you said Hugh, I was like, which one's it going to be? Probably not Laurie in the mid-90s, but... Uh, probably not Hugh Dancy in the mid-90s. Well, I, Hugh Dancy never occurs to me. Um, uh, Let me see. Uh, oh, wow. He, hey, Hugh, get bent. <laughs> Hugh Dancy never occurs to me. Okay. Hugh Grant. I was like, wait, we've talked, we've talked, we've talked so many Hughes now. So many English Hughes. Hugh Grant. Who else? Hugh Grant. Bruce Campbell. David Duchovny. I'm going to say Bruce Campbell was definitely up for it and then got this instead. 
um you you just he made a face like well i don't know if that's Did what I you want to go with trick yet? sure <laughs> um i'm thinking <laughs> let me think about it because david Duchovny also feels like a great pick i'm gonna say hugh grant is some guy i'm sorry that's incorrect now if i thought about how you plan these quizzes <laughs> I would not have said Hugh Grant because you're not always suggesting him in every which way, but I went with my heart, Jeff. I went with my heart. Do you have a second guess? Well, now, I don't know. I'll say Bruce Campbell. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Oh, as far as I could tell, David Duchovny was not considered for Peter But Elliot. he'd be a good option. I could see it. But honestly, so Bruce Campbell auditioned, clearly got the role of Charles as a consolation prize, which, honestly, great. You still get some movie money. I do money. remember you talking ages, about, uh, ages ago about him like uh, just being like, hanging out and where they film south america um just like yes i if i want to say costa rica if memory serves because yeah. i think i remember and it, how they just yeah. didn't know how much they were going to use those two so there's the, the two of them were there for like weeks just right. hanging out doing nothing right john hawks who would go on to much more acclaim and stuff like deadwood and winter's bone um oh see i recognize the face but yeah I don't, he, he's the one that like things. dies of fright after seeing amy right. but so him and bruce campbell like they they were just like they would go, they just like rented some cars and were driving around Costa Rica. And every few days they would call into the studio to be like, do you need us yet? And they were like, no, no, no. Try us again in a, in a next week. I'm like, all right. And they just were like there for like a month chilling in Costa Rica. And that sounds like the best of both worlds. Sounds pretty good. And Hugh Grant turned it down. But honestly, I think that would work perfectly for this of someone that's yes. like so like um there uh, there there seems to be um 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 a uh, 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 a leech on my willy again negating the need for also this other character to be the scaredy cat because like you know we could lean more into that but also I think there's something about having an Englishman there like the kind of friction the cultural friction there between the people like in the party itself since it's the thing they're not exploring at all right even right they're in. Africa would be um could be of interest I agree instead in 1985 he had a very busy year he was doing previous episode Sense and Sensibility which I'm like yeah. Emma Thompson is Karen get, get an Emma Thompson and don't she- do it to Emma don't do it to Emma <laughs> I just want to see her wielding a laser gun <laughs> would be pretty great would be pretty fun um but he had Sense and Sensibility nine months this movie Restoration this movie, The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain, and this film I've never heard of called An Awfully Big Adventure that also co-starred Alan Rickman, speaking of sense- I sensibility. I imagine it's some kind of Peter Pan thing, since that's like the last line of Peter Pan. But... Maybe. I honestly or don't not know. The, but... Not the last line, but a bit a right. from it. But Hugh Grant did not have the time for your Congo movie, my guys. No. 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 Uh, but let's move on to Monroe Kelly. Amy, Jill, your thoughts on Ernie Hudson and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? This is a tremendous performance. Like I said, truly, and I am not like exaggerating at all here. When he was talking, I was like, is this a good movie? And then someone else would talk and be like, no. But then Tim Curry like, would talk and you'd be like, is be this like, a great movie? I'd be like, is this a good time? <laughs> yes. He's so, he's, his, he has managed in this absolute nonsense jumble of a script to create a consistent, 
fun character with like a clear point of view and like you just I don't know I just feel like he enters but I feel like he and Joe Pantaloni both do this where like they enter and they bring the whole world with them you know they immediately place us in where we are they're bringing in like time place we get that it's like they have had lives that were happening beforehand and this movie is just a small interruption they're so lived in yes it's so good and I think he's fantastic. I have written accept no substitutes, so I don't really have any other <laughs> options other than to say the person that it sounded to me most like he potentially modeled his voice on uh, is George Sanders, oh. uh, who's the voice of Shere Khan and and you know won an Oscar for All About Eve, all this kind of thing. Like yeah. it's not quite that he's not quite doing that like condescending drawl, but and he's not doing a full English accent exactly, but it's just this very style. It just feels very like he has that same kind of like class and status uh and and he's clearly doing something that like evokes a lot of old hollywood adventure movies in a really fun way and i feel like that's just like part of that so i george sanders would never have played this part exactly but like i i hear like the echoes of it right what ernie hudson's doing vocally yeah i think in the book reading from the synopsis it appears that the character is white in the book um, which I love that they've cast Ernie Hudson for the film and that they sure. make rep- – I don't think like overtly so or incorrectly so, but I think they make nat- natural references to him yeah. being a black man. They talk man. about it a few times. And this is in the way that I'm saying if they would just acknowledge like whether or not Laura Linney is supposed to be interested in Peter, right. it would just like take some – so by them acknowledging like – Yes, like they they laughed because I said I'm in charge and I'm black, you know, like that they're acknowledging the extremely natural uh, right. uh, things that the people in Africa would be noticing. Totally. A, like a really solid move. Absolutely. And in a similar vein, you can't get Ernie Hudson. I mean, give me Larry Fishburne. Sure. I'd be loving that. Sure. I mean, made today. This feels like an Idris Elba number one with a bullet to me. Oh, thousand percent or would love a sterling k brown version of this if you're making congo yeah. today i just uh, want sterling k brown in any movie at all every movie it's very true i i could see like javier bardem doing this like type of role mm, very um, yeah to- or uh tony dalton who is probably best known as lalo salamanca on better call saul he's also on the show hawkeye briefly is just give me the energy i want of like the great white hunter as he describes himself Uh, or to me, what Ernie Hudson's voice was reminding me of most was he has this kind of musicality in the voice. And it sounded so much to me like it's me, Monroe Kelly played by David Bowie. Uh, And the idea of David Bowie just coming in. That's right. I'm the great white hunter. Only I'm the thin white Duke. Let me take you through this jungle kiddos. Uh, would uh, I would just make I just want to see I wanted to see David Bowie as a a big explorer hunter. Hey, we know he can pull off literally any costume known to man. It's very so true. Just pop a pith helmet on that guy. Um, Call um, it a movie. Monroe Kelly, why are you wearing this Goblin King leotard? Shush, 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 shush. You don't know. You don't, you don't understand know. how much this breathes in this humidity. <laughs> oh, man. For safety against the elements, <laughs> but sure. Uh, no, it's just breathing down there where you needed to breathe. Uh, so as for who else was actually up for the role, 
after the success of the movie The First Great Train Robbery in the 70s that uh, Crichton had written, which starred Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland, he decided to write a screenplay specifically for Connery as the character of, named at the time, Charles Monroe. as like a type similar to the character Alan Quartermain, who's like a big famous adventurer character that has popped up in many a property over mm. the decades. Uh, and so this was like planned. He pitched the movie, Crichton pitched the movie to 20th Century Fox in 1979 without a fleshed out story, just being wow. like Sean Connery is Charles Monroe Hunter. Uh, But they ran into problems when Crichton learned that they couldn't use a real gorilla to portray the character of Amy, which led to them abandoning the project for the next few decades until they... So he clearly then just like popped out a novel. Yeah. Then he's like, like, okay, I'll make it a book then. I'm not going to let a good idea go to waste. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But so this was written to be Sean Connery. And I'm sure the character would probably then be very much so the lead. We'd be getting to him much sooner. Well, if you're pitching it around him that's you know very different than then when you're like well i'm gonna write a book and i'm gonna weave in all this coco the gorilla stuff oh, of and course then it becomes something else because you're not trying to get one of the biggest movie stars in the world to start your yeah, picture absolutely and i so energetically i so see that i so get okay, you, you know. want someone who comes in and fills the screen with ease and confidence that just like reeks charisma yeah. that's what you want and you know what that's what we got oh truly i had forgotten how much because again when when i went to sleep in the middle of our party it was in the back half of this film which is more of the ernie hudson stuff and i was just like oh he's so good he's really good um but those were all the characters that i found other casting options for there are a few characters we didn't mention i want to briefly touch on them we've talked about bruce campbell as charles it's really just a cameo wasted wasted it's true although this is the first time watching this that i'm like i think nathan fillion is the natural successor to Bruce Campbell totally. of someone I who like should be more famous than he is always just reads a bit comedic to me. And, mm-hmm. but in that like adventurer mold, um, but I'm always so right. enjoying whenever they pop up. I think it's partially just like partially like facial structure. Like, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but you know, back, back in the day with the studio system, I mean, it's similar with producers today, but um, you know, you had stars under contract, so execs were always trying to get like pictures made with so and so and so just to like fulfill the like deals and all of that. So like when Hitchcock was making Strangers on a Train, he really vehemently did not want Farley Granger for his lead because it, it, who, who he had worked with in Rope because he said that he had a quote unquote comedic face. Not that like his face mm. is funny; it just doesn't read as dramatically on camera. Just like the shapes and contours. And I think that that is something about certain, certain actors. And like I've just been reading this amazing book, which I'll, I'll recommend in my recommends. But one of the people that they talk about in it is uh, Tallulah Bankhead and talking about how she was such a success on the London stage and she in, you know, New York as well. But then when she came to Hollywood, it's like the camera, it was just like she was beautiful in such a particular way that it almost didn't register well on camera the way that it did in person. And I, I think you have some of that with some of these guys where it's just like, they're really, really good, but you just can't like make it quite click in a way that I think like on stage with a little bit of distance, it might actually read differently. And when you're in person with a person, I feel like there's a different kind of energetic shift. So, but they're they're also both so good at playing this like 
largesse of style. Yeah, absolutely. Without it feeling false on them. 100%. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, we've talked yeah. about a lot of the people. Joe Pantoliano, great. Uncredited as uh, Eddie Vendro. Uh, Joe Don Baker, completely ridiculous. Uh, I think this is the same year as Goldeneye because he's in a few of the Pierce Brosnan, James Bond movies as this like American agent who like, hey there, Jimmy, it's me here to help you. Delroy Lindo, a very fun little cameo. I could see I could see him him as a Monroe as well if we couldn't get Ernie Hudson. Uh, and but he so, is he is perfectly used in in the scene that he had. That's oh, a yeah. really fun scene with oh, yeah. all of them. Uh, so Richard, who is Peter's research assistant, who you've mentioned, Richard. we don't really need this character. Is this actor Grant Heslov, who pivoted into writing and producing? He has won an Oscar for producing Argo and was nominated for Oscars for co-writing and producing Good Night and Good Luck and co-writing The Ides of March. Wow. So he made a real smart move. Yeah. I don't want to be ninth build in Congo. I want to win Oscars. I want to win Oscars for something that I feel like I can control rather than this mess. Like, I think a lot of us who started as actors and have turned to writing, turn to writing in part to be like, oof, how do I uh, help feel like I have some control over my life? How do, how do I write something that, how do I write for actors so I don't have to make them act in things like Congo? Let me write yeah. Good Night and yeah. Good Luck and Ides of March, some more oh meaty actor roles. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, and of course, Tim Curry is Herkimer Hamolka. It's a preposterous performance and I but would not lose a second I of it. I love it. Nope, not a second, not a single overly elongated L. Honestly, I love every look, moment. I'm not fighting to make the movie longer, but I could do with a more of a running gag of him like starting to eat people's food and them yelling at him to stop eating my blank to just bring For that no bit reason. back. Have uh, Ernie Hudson yelling at him. Have Laura Linney yelling at him. Have a monkey yell at. Have Amy yell at him. Uh, you know, uh, don't don't drink my martini. Don't drink my glass drop, drop, my green drink. drop drink. Exactly. Uh, final thoughts on Congo, Amy Joe. Anything we haven't touched on? Any? Oh, yes. I have out? literal pages of notes <laughs> I took, so I know there's some things All in right, here I All right, buckle up, listener. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, why is everyone saying this gorilla is talking? She is signing, and that is still so impressive. Oh, oh but that's why right. Aren't we Sorry. calling it what it I, is? I did have to mention that couple, that when he is showing, <laughs> A, they, when they lead Amy down the aisle to this auditorium, uh, and it did make me think, it did make me wonder, have I ever been in an auditorium that at one point a gorilla has gone down the aisle? That that's your thought <laughs> is actually so classic you. Have I ever been in a place where there was a gorilla? Well, but it makes me th- or like whatever, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It was like the, the Lion King ever have a fun night where they had an actual gorilla who was going in the, <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> Not when an audience is there, but like to film a promo thing or some, some nonsense. Uh, uh, but that couple that's there in the audience, this ridiculous couple, I forget their name. I think the woman's name is Myra. Cause I think he's like, Myra, that gorilla is talking. Am I seeing what I'm seeing? I know, Herb, or whatever. Yeah, but they were so, they felt to me as if those characters exist in other movies, as if like they're also in the yes, book of Jurassic Park. Like, like, is he talking about a real T-Rex, That's Myra? like in Casper, where they have um, the Ghostbusters show oh. up and Father oh, jo- Guido no, no, no. Sarducci. They have the Ghostbuster show up. Only Dan Aykroyd. That's true. They have Dan Aykroyd. They yeah. have Ag... 
singular Clint Ghostbusters Eastwood show up. shows up. Well, but those are like cameos as themselves, as opposed to like cameos as a character that we know that's a Ghostbuster. That's true. Seen it. We know Father Guido Sarducci if we watched SNL yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. You know. Oh, um, Dan Aykroyd. Who are you gonna call? Someone else. How dare you? I know. But that couple was cracking me up. They were really giving it their all. They were like, "This is my moment. I'm gonna be in a big." You know what? And good for them. But again, that. That is more of a comedy yeah. than what we, I think they thought they were making. What There were a couple of, oh, here's this great line with beautiful delivery by Ernie Hudson. They're going to try to take her back to the farm now that she's seen Paris. <laughs> and I just, I was like, ooh, that is good. That's where you get that like good John Patrick Shanley writing and delivered by someone who is like, I'm going to, I'm going to give that line everything it deserves. Um, Here's another line that I'm going to do a reading of right now. That uh, what are we doing? Rudy, 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 Rudy. <laughs> Which Wait. is when the guy is like, he makes me change the the passcodes every every three hours. Like the big the yeah. the evil boss man. And so instead of just like saying some ridiculous word, this poor guy goes Rudy, 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 Rudy. <laughs> and I was like, what? Are we doing? And, and Laura Linney says, good one. Like, good idea. Uh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, um... um. Yeah, and then my last thought was just that these satellite calls that are going through space had less delay than our modern day Zoom calls, and I just think, yeah, uh, there there was some. Well, some, uh, you know what our Zoom calls are not powered by the diamonds. <laughs> Amy Joe, Jeff, what are you recommending this week? Well, golly, I'm going to recommend a dad gum nonfiction book. That I just finished and I love. It is called, I'm showing it to Jeff as though that Ooh, is helpful on this visual medium. medium. Mm, it's called Flappers Six Women of a Dangerous Generation by Judith Mackerel. That's M A C K R E L L. And it's kind of, it's a, it's basically like, a study of the flapper era so mainly the 20s into like the mid 30s but it does it through the lens of this kind of joint biography of these six women of the era so they are Josephine Baker, Tallulah Bankhead, Diana Cooper, Nancy Cunard, Zelda Fitzgerald, and Tamara de Lampica and it is so good it really paints this extremely vivid deeply saturated portrait of this era and these people and like these cities so it's mainly like you know, in the main cities where all, all the action was. So you've got like New York and London and Paris and Berlin and just seeing like it, it basically starts like toward the end of World War One and kind of takes takes you through each of their lives in a way. And it, I just can't recommend it enough. It was a riveting read. And if you're at all interested in like the the 20s and that that whole era and how like, you know, flappers, art deco, all of this came about, it's it's just really fascinating. And to, these are really well curated. It's a really well curated group of women because they all just like were extremely vivid humans and their lives leap off the page. And I just I loved it. So that's oh. Flappers, Six Women of a Dangerous Generation by Judith Mackerel. Great. Jeff. Amy Jo. What are you recommending? Uh, I'm going to recommend this new show on HBO Max. 
uh, called The Rehearsals, the new show from Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You and a producer on How To With John Wilson that we're both a big fan of. I think we might have recommended it on some episode. If not, also check out How To With John Wilson. Uh, but this new show, The Rehearsal, is like, it It feels, the closest thing it is to me is the Charlie Coffin movie, Synecdoche, New York, in that Nathan Fielder is taking a person that has some element of their life that they wish that they could rehearse for so for example like the second episode that i've only seen the first two episodes so far so far as we're recording this the second episode is this woman that wants to like pretty much play act what it would be like to be a mother before actually being a mother so they are hiring all of these like actor babies for her to like watch but the like technical aspects of this that they have to go through because you know kit babies can only work x amount of hours so they are like swapping out babies whenever this woman like leaves the room to try to like keep the process to like keep the process as like real quote unquote as it would be it goes to like bananas levels like it's really a wild ride of a show that kind of has one foot in docu-series one foot in mockumentary as Nathan Fielder like kind of inserts himself into the narrative in these episodes Uh, but I find it absolutely fascinating and also at its core is still very funny but absolutely wild some of the these real life people that he has found so I would definitely recommend checking out the rehearsal with uh, Nathan Fielder and that's what we're recommending this week Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Gosh, do you want to know what we're up to in general or what film we might be doing the following week? Follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. Once again, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash andalmoststarring to see our new all full-length watch-along Jaws Ben Terry. Uh, you can also go back. We've got a watch-along commentary on the fly and a Patreon episode on Thor Ragnarok. Just waiting for you there. Uh, until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. Amy thinks you're great. And thank you for joining us to see who almost starred.